This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 61st edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio.world. We have a special guest today, baseball legend Jim Abbott. Before I go further with this interview, I want to recognize my engineer today, James Gerd. And by the way, Jim, I just learned this a few minutes ago, James in elementary school wrote a report about you. He he was supposed to report on a, on a figure that that uh, inspired him. He did it on you. So that we have a, I, I want to share that with you. I just learned that a couple minutes ago. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you very much. And James is also the host of the After Dark show at Rainier Avenue Radio.world. We have a sports tar- department here, great shows hosted by Rick Dupree, Granville Enerson, Renault Laurent, Masvita Marari. We also have some wonderful, I don't want to forget anybody in our sports department, um, Pat McCarthy, Mark Bryant. We also have uh, some great news shows and talk shows and music shows and lifestyle shows. Rainier Avenue Radio dot world. A lot of great things are going on here. My sports and stuff show has been on now for over two years, having a lot of fun. I practice law and I'm having fun doing this show a couple times a month. My interviews are on my website, pluslawoffices.com. A bunch are on Mixcloud. We're going to get some more archived soon. Well, Jim, I'm going to give you a little more of an introduction. You don't need a long introduction, but I like to do this with my guests. Um, Jim Abbott achieved major success as a major league player despite having been born with a, without a right hand. Very inspirational story. Jim played 10 seasons for five major league teams. He was star pitcher University of Michigan. Once pitched a no-hitter for the Yankees in 93. Finished third in the Cy Young Award in 1991. I mean, the list goes on and on of Jim's accomplishments. Member of the 88 U.S. Olympic team. He's now a motivational speaker. He does some work with the U.S. Department of Labor in enhancing businesses uh, to work more with disabled people. Um, Jim wrote an autobiography, which I look forward to reading, Imperfect and Improbable Life. Uh, There was a documentary on Jim that came out in on Fox in 2018. I can go on and on, but uh, Jim, thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. It was very nice to say hello to you at the Fred Hutch Lunch in Seattle this year, too. Well, thank you. Thanks, Paul. It was a pleasure to meet you there, and um, I really think the uh, Fred Hutchinson Award and and ceremony there was uh, uh, one of the highlights of my whole year. I had so much uh, fun up there at that event, and it was fun to be at the ballpark, and Fun to play catch with Eddie Vedder. <laughs> uh, dream come true for me, and, and, and to do you know, and try to help out with such a wonderful uh, research center and, and, and a wonderful place. So um, great to talk to you. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, Jim. And you know, you just kind of answered my first question. The first question I had was for you to get a little, get your take on the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, based here in Seattle, and it's one of my favorite causes and it was just great to see you as the keynote speaker and i know uh many people in attendance enjoyed that it was fun to watch you play catch that eventer <laughs> <laughs> well when they first broached the idea that maybe it would be him to come up and play catch i was uh i was very touched that he would that he would be there and obviously the the, uh, the hutchinson center means a lot to him i guess he comes every single year and and uh so it just worked out great it was um yeah, I was up there for a couple of days, had a chance to spend some time um, uh, with the brilliant people over there who are working hard to eradicate, uh, you know, cancer and, and and provide hope for so many people. And, and it was just, uh, it was so inspiring to be around people who find so much meaning in their work and, and um, you know, very serious, dedicated people. And, and, and 
I just really, really was inspired by my trip up there. And, and like I said, it's it's one of the real highlights of, of 2019 for me. Love it. No, you gave a great speech. Well, Jim, you, you've you probably gotten this question many times. I'm still going to ask you this question. And why don't you tell us a little bit how you got the baseball bug as a kid growing up? And uh, when did you kind of realize you could take baseball to the highest level? Well, it was a step-by-step process, to be honest. Um, you know, I loved all sports. I grew up in Flint, Michigan, which uh, is, is famous uh, for both good and bad things. <laughs> uh, right. Famous for, for being tough, uh, and famous for having its challenges, uh, but also famous for having a lot of great athletes. And, and so I grew up in that environment, and, and I grew up, um, you know, wanting to be a part of things and wanting to fit in and, and wanting to play with my friends and, and, you know, who were athletes and who loved sports. And so baseball um, called to me in, in those ways just because uh, I was kind of good at it. I could, I always had a good arm I could throw. And, you know, if I could figure out a way of switching the glove on and off of my left hand, I could participate and I could succeed. And, and, and that was really important for me as a kid who felt a little bit on the outside looking in. It's just an amazing story. This is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio dot World with baseball uh, legend Jim Abbott. Jim, you know it's just amazing how how you were able to have a great career playing with one hand. And I want to ask you about something else. And I want to know about what other challenges in life have you overcame? For example, was learning to drive hard for you? Other than baseball, can you share with us some other challenges in your life that you that people may not know about that you've been able to overcome and, and uh, do well with? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Paul. I, I, um, not, many, I mean, not many people have ever asked that. And there are things, you know, there are definitely things that have been challenging for me. Uh, I can't, you know, I, but I was born this way, so um, it's what I knew. It's, it's how I grew up, and there was no other, you know, model than than just sort of being creative and finding different ways of doing things. Whether it was tying shoes or uh, buttoning a shirt, um, you know, tying a tie. You know, all those day to day things, you know, provide their own challenge. But um, you know, I believe that. In almost every instance, that there, there is a way. You know, there's a there's a different way of doing it. Um, it may take a little more time, but but there always seems to be a way that that you can do things and, and you can figure it out. Um, you know, I, I haven't I've never learned the piano. I've never learned the guitar. <laughs> uh, musical instruments, I haven't you know I haven't taken on. So, I, but I'm sure that there are kids out there. I guarantee you. Um, who play piano one-handed or, or sure. play the guitar? I know guitar for sure uh, because I, uh, I've heard of kids and, and have met artists who do it. So um, you know the old cliche where there's a will, there's a way, and I've just seen it too many times. Whether it's me or somebody else around the country with a similar challenge, some there always seems to be a way to get things done. You've learned to, to kind of max things out. It seems like I'm kind of dealing with the situation, right? Absolutely, you know, and I think that comes from the spirit of my hometown and the teachers and and the and the coaches and friends that I was surrounded with. And it's funny that you mentioned driving. I remember uh, in my driver's education class, they must have done some thought before I showed up because I got there and uh, in Flint, Michigan. It was pretty cool. It's a Buick town. It's where they made Buick. So. 
Buick used to donate these brand new cool uh, sedans that you would drive around and for drivers tra- drivers training. It was part of the high school curriculum. And for the car that I was assigned to, it had like this driver's knob on the steering wheel that you could use one hand. And mm-hmm. I guess it was adaptive in some ways. And, and um, you know, I, I started doing the, some pretty creative turns on the course with that thing. And they, they took it off and said, you're just fine the way you are. <laughs> so it, it was, you know, it, but that it was just a wonderful community that I was surrounded with. And, and you know, they were always looking for ways to help and, and, and for ways for me to do things. And. And, um, you know, I look back on that. It just your your question reminded me of that experience. Yeah, no, I want to learn a little bit more about how you've, you've addressed some other challenges in your life. And I, I think I think my myself, and my listeners learn a little bit more. Well, Jim, you were part of that great 1988 U.S. Olympic team. I remember when I was I'm a little younger than you, but I remember that that team a little bit. Um, why is it called an unofficial gold medal, that 88 team you were on? Uh, well, it was a demonstration sport at that point. It wasn't yet. Um, they were just trying it out at the Olympics, the 84 team and the 88 teams. It, it was uh, officially listed as a, as a demonstration sport. So, um, you know, I guess it, it was an unofficial. I think I believe in 92 it became an official sport uh, in the 96. And, and uh, you know, obviously they haven't had it as an Olympic sport for the past couple of years, but uh Looks like it might be coming back. It looks like softball might be coming back as an Olympic sport. And, you know, really heartened to see that. I think that'll be fantastic for, for both the sports and for the Olympics. That must be a highlight of your baseball career, participating in the 88 Olympic Games in Seoul, huh? It was absolutely unbelievable. You know, uh, we had some fantastic players, uh, some players who would be very familiar with people up in the upper northwest. Scott Service was our catcher on that team. Tino Martinez was our first baseman, and um, you know it was it was a really it was the best team I ever played for. It, it truly was, and, and I don't mean that just in in talent, but in in the mission and and, and the focus that that team had. Nobody cared all that much of what their role was on the team. They just wanted to be on the team at all and wanted to contribute in any way that they could, and and. So it just made for an unbelievably great experience. We were all young in our, you know, early twenties, and you know, a lot of life in front of us. And and it just it was just the perfect time to go out there and and play all around the world and play against you know just tremendous baseball teams from Japan and Cuba and and all over the world. And and um, you know, I I didn't play in the minor leagues for at all in the beginning of my career, but that experience. Um, sure was a great foundation for preparing for professionals. I just love it, Jim. I wanted to get a little Olympic talk in with you um, for a minute or two, and I, you, you had some great insights. Paul Schneierman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio.World with Major League Pitching great Jim Abbott. Jim, you know, when I, I, I'm very familiar with your career. I used to watch you play in Seattle for years, and like, like millions of baseball fans, I'm familiar with your career. But one thing I didn't realize, really, Jim, until I was doing a little pre-show research, is that you were able to hit the ball in several major league games. Can you tell us for a minute how you're able to hit a baseball with one hand? Well, I <laughs> whether or not I hit the ball or not is debatable. I have two hits in my major league career, and we don't need to get into the average. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's really um, 
I grabbed the bat, you know, with two hands. I did try to incorporate. I, I have most, you know, part of my right hand, so um, I'm fortunate in that regard. I was able to incorporate, you know, both sides of my body uh, pretty well mm-hmm. in terms whether it was the pitching motion or it was the swinging of a bat or swinging of a golf club. Um, <clears throat> so I, I do have that, um, and. And so I, you know, yeah, I could get the bat started. I could get the bat kind of going through the zone, and and um, and you know, it, it, the major league pitching was it's just a whole different deal. It's it's hard to describe. You know, basically, I didn't have many at bats between high school and then the major league. So the jump was incredible when I got when I got up there and got into the major league batting box. But you know, even fairly average major league pitching is is um, astoundingly hard to hit. It, it, Absolutely. It's just it's amazing how quickly you have to react and, and how quickly you have to pick that ball up. And then, you know, the, the thought of the ball breaking or the thought of a change of speeds, um, it's, it's a ridiculously difficult thing to do. Uh, it's just amazing you're able to get a couple of hits, and that's a neat part of your career, Jim. Jim, okay, this is something I think you probably have a very unique perspective on. What do you think about baseball purists who don't believe in the DH rule? Um, I grew up in the, in the American league. I grew up rooting for the Detroit Tigers, um, as a kid, you know, and then the DH goes, goes back as far as I can remember. So, um, I don't think the game is hindered by having a designated hitter. I think it, it, it's, it's a more exciting game. I think getting one more skilled, um, pit player out there is, is, it, it, it's. I don't mind it at all. I, I mean, seeing a pitcher come up there, it, it always seems a little bit anticlimactic. Yeah, there's a few who can who hit pretty decently, but sure. But it it, it sure it, it certainly has a strategy. I get that. But but pitching around people just to get to the pitcher and and having that you know somewhat guaranteed out at the end of the lineup, um, I, I don't think that makes the game any better. I think the DH. You know, it's no easier for a pitcher, that's for sure, but um, I, I don't think it hinders the game in any way. I, I'm not one of those purists in that regard. Gotcha. I have the American League guy myself growing up in Seattle, but I just want to kind of get your perspective on that because you, I think you come from a very unique perspective on uh, on that whole that whole issue. Paul Schneiderman, again, host of sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, baseball great Jim Abbott. I got James Gerd. Is our engineer saying James one time wrote a paper on my guest Jim Abbott? I just love it, Jim. You you had some amazing individual accomplishments. You you finished third in the Cy Young Award, as I mentioned in the introduction in '91. You threw a no hitter in '93. What, what's a team accomplishment you really liked in your uh, Major League Baseball career? Well, um, you know that the Olympic gold medal was was the was the pinnacle of my team achievements um and 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 that's great that's you know fantastic i i will never ever um regret you know think anything differently i just think that was an amazing accomplishment with a group of guys who love each other unfortunately in my major league career and um somewhat uh, because of the seattle mariners uh the best one of the best teams i played on and in, in 1995 we we ended up in a, in a tie a virtual tie uh for the division uh pennant and went up to seattle and 
and uh, faced Randy Johnson in the Kingdom and, and lost a heartbreaking playoff game to them and, and didn't make the playoffs. And um, what an atmosphere that was! I'll never forget the, the the level of noise and excitement in the Kingdom, and and uh, it felt like a playoff game. It, it maybe even heightened even more because it was do or die. Um, that was just incredible feeling, and 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 you know. Uh, we we lost, unfortunately. Mark Langston battled, and, and Randy battled, and, and um, you know we came up on the short end of it. But I'll always remember that game for you know the intensity, and and I'll never forget after we lost the the Mariner fans jumping on the field, literally jumping over the dugout and landing on the field and running around, and you know just feeling the greatest of highs, and while well, we were feeling the greatest of lows, sitting there in the dugout watching the celebration happen. Remember that game well. Your interviewer was in attendance at that game in the, the Old Kingdom, and uh, remember it very well. It was an exciting, uh, tie-breaking game for sure, Jim. And it's it's interesting to hear your perspective as a member of the California Angels that, that day. Jim, um, can you mention one or two Major League Baseball players, whether they're existing players, deceased players, retired players, who've had – some different types of challenges that you, where you've really admired them? Maybe one or two that have stand out. It could be a physical challenge, a mental health challenge. Can you mention one or two players who've had challenges that you've always admired? Well, one of my heroes, and, and this isn't really a challenge, you know, when they were playing, but I think my favorite player is, is was Lou Gehrig, uh, you know, for the class and, and, and the way that he went about playing the game and, and um, the way he handled, um, you know, the diagnosis of ALS and, and, and all that he has, you know, did and in that grace, uh, of, of how he did that, you know, I just marvel at the, at the, at the fact that he was in his late thirties, you know, you see that those films and you, you, you think, gosh, this guy was, was older, but he wasn't, he was, he was a young man, uh, when he came up, when he came down with that disease. And, and, and so, um, I, I think all baseball players, you know, admire Lou Gehrig and, and, and what he battled against, you know. Uh, um, I think back to Jim Eisenreich, who was a great player of my generation, who battled, uh, you know, a, a Tourette syndrome and, and, and um, you know, it, it, it was able to overcome that and be a, just a tremendous baseball player for the Kansas City Royals. And, um, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't mean to deflect the question, but... Um, Every single player who you see play the game of baseball is dealing with something. And, and, and that's one thing you discover, um, you know, in a major league clubhouse. It's, it's, it's the beauty of the game, really, I think, because people come from so many different backgrounds. Sure. Um, so many different places around the world. Um, you know, some from extreme poverty and, and, and some from great, you know, uh, privilege. Uh, some come from, you know, the southern part of the United States. Some come from the west and the northern parts. And and and, and but everybody's dealing with something, you know, whether it was a, a an overbearing parent or or, a, or an injury somewhere along the way or or, or a skeptical childhood. Um, I would bet you any person you ever interview who played in the major leagues will tell you a fairly interesting story about what they overcame to get there. And, and, and that's what I miss about a major league clubhouse. Um, and that's what inspires me when I talk to young players is that 
you can contribute to a baseball team in so many different ways. You know, it really is a very inclusive game when you take a deep look at it. And I think the Houston Astros and then their, their lineup attest to that, you know, so, um, it's a game for everybody and, and everybody has a little something that, that they've overcome. Uh, but there's room for everybody to make their contribution. Well, I, I really enjoyed your answer to that question, Jim. You mentioned two players, including Lou Gehrig, who, who certainly dealt with some challenges. But I, I really enjoy the way and appreciate the way you brought it up that almost every major league player has something that they've dealt with, that they're some challenge. And I, I just I really uh, think I learned a lot just hearing from you, hearing from your answers. I think my listeners did, too, to your answer to that question, that, that uh, everybody has a life story, don't they? They truly do. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I think... Uh, there's a misconception out there that um, that it was some smooth road, you know, for guys who made it. And, and uh, you know, even Ken Griffey Jr., who I think was as talented a baseball player as I ever saw, you know, from, from the very beginning, you know, when the moment he stepped on a field. And, it, you know, to the rest of us looking out, looking in, you know, you would think, boy, that was just a – a road paved, you know, just for him right. to get there and, and to succeed. And, and, and I would bet you, you know, I, I don't know him well, but I would bet you, you know, he could tell a different story. You know, he could tell a story of, of expectations and pressure and, and uh, you know, of, 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 I don't know, I would be speculating. But, you know, the point is, is that each and every player who goes to bat every night is a human in, 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 uh, that's obvious, of course, but I sometimes get frustrated with the modern game because it has become so analytical, and which is fine. You know, everyone uses information to gain an edge and to get better, um, but there are real people behind these statistics, and there's real, genuine effort being made out there. And I think when it's constantly broke down to just numbers, that humanness of the of the game and that effort um you know we lose touch with that just a little bit way beyond saber metrics if you're just tuning in this is paul schneiderman host of sports and stuff on rainier avenue radio with a baseball great jim abbott just having a great conversation well jim i want to bring up a sports figure and maybe at least i have and i'm not claiming to be the 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 super fan but an athlete that i've sort of overlapped you with a little bit is the golfer casey martin a golfer who golf with a disability uh do you know casey martin at all jim and uh do you relate to him at all and what casey went through in his career i had a chance to meet casey martin um one time, just coincidentally, I have to be. I happened to be up in Oregon, and uh, it was when he was coaching the Oregon uh, golf team, and I had a chance to say hi. I did. I did. Um, you know, at the time during when I was playing, you know, his story was very prominent, and uh, the idea of riding in a golf cart was was frowned upon by the purist in the in the in the pro game, um, and. I took the side. I took Casey's side on it. Um, I did too. I I felt like the accommodation of riding in a cart for someone who can compete and couldn't compete otherwise was fair enough. And it, there was some gray area to it. I, I mean, it was 
it was hard for anybody, I think, to say, oh, uh, someone who's walking a golf course is going to, of course, be more tired and fatigued than Casey would be uh, riding in a golf cart. I, I didn't, I didn't, was never persuaded of that argument. Um, but I, I also, and this doesn't have anything to do with a rational, you know, <laughs> as a lawyer uh, argument. I just know now how many people out there can be inspired by those types of stories. And I've seen it firsthand. I've, you know, I've met, I don't know how many kids and families who've been through similar circumstances as mine. Um, and I know a story like Casey's provided great hope and inspiration for a lot of people out there. So anytime there is an opportunity for a story like that to be told, uh, I'm all for it. And, and uh, it may not be make perfect logical sense, but I, I think the world is a better place, you know, when we have the idea that everybody can participate. Well, I, I, I totally agree with you, and I'm a staunch believer in disability rights, and I think you and Casey are two athletes of our generation that have, have done a lot to to inspire a lot of people. Jim, we got just a couple minutes left. I got time for two more questions. And I just want to get your kind of quick one-minute take on the Washington Nationals 2018 season. Pretty inspirational, huh? <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. Think of where they were, in the, you know, in May and, and, and the, the talk of, you know, everything. And the, even losing Bryce Harper in the beginning of the season and, the, and to come back and win – four games on the road in the World Series to beat the Dodgers at home in extra innings. Uh, great Howie Kendrick, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, they were a wonderful story. I, I thought it was one of the best World Series I've watched in a while. Loved it. No, I, I think it kind of got some, some more casual fans uh, back into baseball again a little bit. Well, Jim, we're about to wrap it up. we got maybe a minute or two left, James, I think. Um, we about a minute left. What does the future hold for uh, Jim Abbott? Well, I'm very excited about the future. I, I live down in Southern California. Um, I've got two daughters who are off at school, so I'm, I've got a little more time these days. I'm working on my golf game, trying to figure that whole thing out. And, and um, you know, I'm just going to continue doing the things that I was able to do um, off the field while I played. And, and, and now, you know, I get a chance to speak. I get a chance to, to meet a lot of wonderful people. I get a chance to go around the country and, and see cool places and, and, and meet cool people. And, 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 um, uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm not, I'm not officially, uh, in the game anymore, so to speak, but, uh, I sure benefit from the association and I'm, I'm, I'm proud, very proud, uh, to be a part of the baseball family. Jim, just loved having you on sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue radio. We're about to wrap it up now due, due to the 27 minute clock, but, uh, Hold on for one second when this interview ends, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on Rainier Avenue Radio. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. You too, Jim.